0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity, where we hear the story from individuals who have broken into cybersecurity within the past five years, and they share their journey with us. Today, we have Bradley, who will be sharing his story. But before we get there, if you're following us on LinkedIn, um, Bradley's profile is down in the comments. Follow him. Follow the podcast. Follow myself. For those of you following us live on youtube hit that subscribe button and that notification button right down below that way you get notified the next time we come on for those of you on twitch also follow us and send in those questions send us where you're coming from and any questions that you might have for myself bradley that way we can answer them for you and get this show on the road well Bradley, why don't you start with uh, introducing yourself, give us a little bit about your background and why you're interested in cybersecurity.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So my name is Bradley Ogle. I uh, was born and grew up um, around the Knoxville, Tennessee area. Um, Ever since I was young, I've always been fascinated with computers. And so at some point in my IT career, I saw that cybersecurity was still an emerging field where I could make an impact and uh, create like a, a... a legacy for myself. Uh, there's, you know, there's still opportunities to do to do so in this field. Uh, so that's what really drove me to begin my career change. And where were you before? Since you're mentioning a career change, uh, I was mostly uh, I was doing IT for a local school system, okay. uh, and then later uh, the University of Tennessee Knoxville.
0: I, th- I think that's very important to understand for those who might be watching. Some of the transferable skills that you that you're taking with with you in your journey. Um, when you said you did IT, what aspect of IT did you focus on in those areas?
1: So uh, I started as a computer technician and then uh, became a system administrator, uh, and that that experience as system admin really. Uh, is what gave me the tools I needed to transition to cybersecurity. Uh, you know, ever since I started in the field, I listened to John Strand early on in my career, and uh, something he said stuck out to me. <clears throat> if you're building systems and you're not building them to be secure, you're building them to fail, so you're not doing your job properly. Uh, so in my opinion, you know, network engineers and system admins and other architects, engineers need to if they're not building their systems uh, from the ground up to be secure, then they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be in that job. Uh, inherently, they have to. You had to build them to be secure. And so, taking that philosophy, I started going in and you know learning how to harden the systems I was deploying. Uh, you know, using CIS benchmarks, uh, recommended best practices, Microsoft security toolkits, uh, and really trying to understand why. Those were the best practices, not just that they are the best practices.
0: And what, what did you find out, like, in that journey of why they are why the best practices?
1: Just how, like, uh, you know, landman, disabling landman, NTLM uh, processes, and, uh, you know, really learning about more about, like, SAMHive, registry keys. Uh, There's all kinds of, like, in-depth little uh, tidbits inside the operating system where, you know, normally, just a uh, as a you know school system admin, normally you wouldn't be required to touch a lot of the stuff that you would be if you're trying to secure the system. Uh, so, getting in the weeds with some of the the more granular operating system components really uh, helped me make that transition.
0: Perfect. Yeah, like I think that's that's one of the things that in, in my own help desk IT journey that. I also did. And I think sometimes a lot of folks forget and just because we're, we're we're talking about those interested in IT admin, um, check out KevTech. KevTech's a huge, huge proponent of those going into the IT support area. And he's also a big proponent of um, whole cyber human initiative, where folks that are interested in cyber but they feel that they might not have the technical skills we we always recommend folks check out Help Desk and it to to get kind of some of those core com- fundamental skills of understanding how computers work how networking works how systems work how patching works like you learn those fundamental skills in, in some of that support work big shout out to jeremy sending a wave over <laughs> So, so Bradley, as um as part of your journey, um, how did you how did you transition and how did you figure out where in cybersecurity you wanted to go?
1: So it took me a while to actually figure out where I wanted to go. Uh, I kind of played around with a bunch of different options: you, know, offensive, uh, blue team, DFIR, uh, GRC. Really, what's what got me to the point where I decided what you know, I wanted to do DFIR was uh, just playing around with labs online, uh, you know, doing Security Blue Team Labs, uh, DFIR, Diva, uh, and some other cool little free labs out there that, uh, you know, our community is gracious enough to to build and host for people to, like me and others, to learn and transition to cybersecurity with. Uh, So, you know, doing those really brought out the how interesting it was for me and how much passion I had for it. And so that's where I decided where I wanted to stick out to DFIR. But previously, you know, I made the transition in, into like a DFIR, or sorry, a, GR, a GRC slash generalist security consultant position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just through leveraging my, you know, my history of writing policy for the school system I worked at, uh, the OS hardening, the active directory hardening that I, I had done as a system admin uh, you know, using those transit, those skills, to transition to a general security position, and then you know, learning on the side through those community resources to really transition to my passion, which is DFIR. And so, you, you
0: mentioned you tried out all those different areas. Um, how long of a period was that that you explored before you kind of figured out where you wanted to go?
1: So I'd kind of uh, I'd kind of played around with it prior to my transition into the general's position. I'd played around with it as you know, the IT team leader at the University of Tennessee and system admin before that. Uh, just toyed around with like hack the box and other uh, resources out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all in all, you know, the, my entire career really, but really trying to figure out what I wanted to go into was just the the year that I was a general security consultant.
0: Okay. And let, let's talk about the shift from your school role to the first generalist consultant role that you got. What, what was that transition like?
1: Uh, honestly, it, it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. Uh, you know, I, I tell people I did more work for less pay in a school system than I've done anywhere else in my career because it's 24-7 putting out fires. There's no downtime. There's no time uh, to... I mean, you have to make time in order to learn, in order to uh, do things that aren't requirements for the operations. So if you want to do anything more than break, fix, you've got to make that time. Uh, so I was working more than I've worked since, really. Uh, and so the transition was actually pretty pretty simple and, and pretty easy.
0: I love it. make time to learn. Uh, that's definitely something we're going to have to highlight more often is that, in this field, you do have to often make time to learn. Um, as you started to look for a new role from the school system, did you, how many roles did you apply for, or did, did you do like a, a targeted approach, uh, following, if you followed B, uh, B-H-I-S, you, you might've followed John Stratton, uh, sorry, Jason Blanchard as well.
1: Yeah, I absolutely do. Uh, so I, I didn't follow him prior to, uh, Transitioning from the school system to the University of Tennessee, so that was I kind of did a wide approach for that. And then uh, when I started listening to Jason's Twitch uh, streams, uh, I tuned my resume more to the job descriptions. Tried to reach out and network, uh, and I ended up landing that general cons- consultant role. I still applied for quite a bit, quite a few roles, uh, but the ones that I really wanted, I tried to take Jason's advice and to my resume, try to find someone there and reach out. Uh, scheduled 10 15 minutes to introduce myself, and that worked. So, you know, shout out to Jason. It's a, he's the entire BHIS crew is awesome resources for anyone trying to transition to cybersecurity or tech in general.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they um they spun off uh, a new uh training uh company that kind of just focuses on pay what you can training. So, um, definitely we'll we'll share the links with folks for that as well. So you you got your first general consultant role. What was that like coming from the school system?
1: Uh, you know, the work's quite different, uh, being a consultant rather than being an internal uh, stakeholder, uh, trying to split your time between different uh, companies and different environments and uh, different types of work, really, you know, some GRC, some not. Uh, it's pretty... It's, pretty interesting being a consultant. You, you learn a lot really quickly, but also you, it's kind of like how they describe the CISSP in ways. It's a, a mile wide, but sometimes an inch deep. Uh, you get to do a lot sometimes, but not a lot in depth. Okay.
0: And what were some of the, the pros or cons to that for someone considering becoming a general security consultant?
1: So, you know, the pros is you, you get to experience all kinds of different technologies in different environments and uh, different enterprises. And that, that is very valuable to have experience across a wide spectrum of different companies and different people. Uh, but the con is that you're some usually you're not able to get like really in the weeds of things and that, you know, they leave that for the internal stakeholders normally.
0: And was that where you first got exposed to uh dfir or were you exposed to it before
1: yeah so in in terms of actually being on an incident yes the, during during my role as consultant that's where i first got exposed to it uh for digital forensics i kind of i kind of had an interest in it for a while and so i've been doing like labs and such but actually getting hands-on ir activities uh it was during that consultant role
0: where were some of the labs that you were using
1: uh as I mentioned earlier D, dfir uh diva uh i can't remember some of the other dfir specific labs i know mm-hmm. security blue teams uh you know blue team labs uh, cyber defenders uh for some of the more you know general blue team stuff and ir stuff uh and then of course sp- you know try hack me's sp- supposedly you know red team but there is a lot of blue team content there's a lot of uh, content for digital forensics and ir too that could be useful uh,
0: if you wanted to, you could take a look at any of the Red Team labs and then turn it around and create your own forensic report on it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good point. So uh, go ahead.
1: Uh, I was going to say, I, and I did something, you know, on a metal metasploitable, you know, run Nessus against it, run Nessus against your, my network, and uh, just really try to understand the results and, you know, kind of get a vulnerability management perspective on things also, uh, which is, you know, helpful for a holistic uh, knowledge of you know, cybersecurity.
0: That's a, a very good point. Um, did you have a, a home lab or was that just against your general Wi-Fi network that you had at home or um, network that you had at home?
1: Uh, both, actually. Yeah, I do have a home lab. It's I decommissioned now, but uh, I had, because it was eating up too much power, I had two uh, Dell PowerEdge R710s that I'd gotten, grabbed off of eBay for a pretty good price, and I'd spun up a few... Uh, Windows domains and, uh, you know, Microsoft has a great uh, auto deployment toolkit now for a Windows lab. So if you're trying to learn Windows, it's a great resource to deploy and and play around in, attack and defend.
0: Nice that that's a that's a great resource because I think often when individuals think of setting up their home labs, they're they're looking for something that's pre configured. But like you mentioned very early in the beginning build it strong from the beginning and if you understand how to build it strong then you're doing your job right. Right. So as you started to look for that DFIR role did you find that that was harder than getting your, your first security role?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, generally I found that a lot of companies want someone directly from like a SOC to, to go into the DFIR roles or somebody with previous DFIR experience. So mm-hmm. You know, transitioning from you know the general consultant position was more difficult, uh, but you know, still possible. It took it took a while, but got there let's, eventually.
0: Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk through those challenges because I think oftentimes, in individuals, might not understand the amount of work that's needed for a transition like that for, into a specialty role, right? Because right. DFIR is one of those specialty roles because you have to know almost a little bit about everything. You have to know about how incident response works, how forensics works. Y- you don't wanna mess up the forensics as part of being on the IR team because then you blow the investigation after the fact. Um, so what were some of the, the, the roadblocks you hit along the way?
1: Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, a lot of places, uh, want you to have that direct SOC experience, where you're used to handling alerts, you've gotten like an, you know, a little bit deep into uh, you know, the actual IR process, and uh, so you're know, trying to familiarize myself using such you know resources like BHIS's anti-siphon uh, courses. Uh, you've got the, the SOC core skills with John Strand. You've got active deception, or, yeah, active active defense and cyber deception, uh, and then intro to uh, Intro in to Cybersecurity uh, with John Strand. And those three classes really helped me, uh, you know, buff up some of those skills that I needed to showcase in the interviews and talk about. Uh, generally, if I, I've found that if you go into an interview and you start the conversation about those skills and you start talking about them and drive the conversation, uh, you can really showcase your abilities and your knowledge rather than waiting for them to ask the questions. Uh, and, you know, because when they ask the questions, they, they've formed preconceived notions of your abilities based off of your resume, uh, or, you know, the, the word, your last job title, for example, you know. So, so trying to drive the conversation in that aspect really helps cement the idea that you know what you're doing uh, to the interviewer, and that can be very valuable in getting those positions.
0: Uh, that's That's a great point that uh, I think, Oftentimes, people don't consider in an interview, especially where you might be more novice in the area, that if you should, if you demonstrate confidence by bringing up the topic, because you're not going to bring up a topic that you're not confident in, um, right. the interviewer will make those assumptions themselves. And if it's a, a role that you're looking to get that is new to you, you don't want them making those assumptions. You want to drive that conversation and starting starting to starting to go down that path is a, a great way to do that. Absolutely. Um, whole Whole Cyberhuman Initiative asks: um, What do you suggest for seekers in the current weeks to look at threats? Do they come up? Um, things like that.
1: Uh, so, you know, I'm trying to help transition two of my uh, close friends to into cybersecurity roles right now. One of them just landed his first one actually back in March, and the other one's still uh, – we're still working on that. And during their interviews and during my interviews, I I didn't find too many – we didn't have too many questions about, you know, current threats. Uh, it was normally, like, what's – uh, explain the the latest, biggest threat. And usually that was, like, they wanted to hear, like, Log4J, uh, you know, for the past six months. That's what they've wanted to hear. Uh, before that, you know, like Spectre, Meltdown, Blue Keep, things like that.
0: So, but so they, what, the the current themes happening out there.
1: Yeah, exactly. But knowing the current landscape, that just gives you something else to talk about and showcase that you're you're staying in tune to the community, the industry, uh, the threat landscape. It, it's very it's very valuable to know that. And like I said, you bring it up before they ask, even if they don't ask, it, especially if they don't ask, because that that just showcase that. Adds more information they know about you.
0: Speaking of the the current threat landscape, what do you do to keep up with the current threat landscape?
1: So I start every morning off of the with the, uh, the Sands uh, Stormcast podcast, uh, and then I have the you know the Sands coming to my my inbox every morning. Uh, subscribe to like Microsoft, Sophos, Cisco uh, mailing lists. Uh, I have a a tweet deck that monitors you know my company names. Uh, Threat names, POCs, uh, and then, of course, Reddit is a great resource. Uh, Discord, Slack, you know, staying in in tune to those industry, uh, those community and industry discords and slacks. Those are great spaces to be in. Yeah, I
0: would also recommend um, Feedly. I I use Feedly to kind of pull together all those different RSS feeds into one one space rather than Clogging up uh, my inbox. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, what you mentioned, you were helping some friends w- prepare for their interviews. Um, what other tips would you give for for those interviewing right now for DFIR roles? Um, outside of what you mentioned,
1: uh, you just prepare. Prepare yourself Do, before your interview. Research the company. Research if you know the interviewer's name. Research them. Know their background. If they have a background in networking, uh, buff up your networking skills because they're more prone to ask questions related to networking, Uh, even if it is, you know, if it's a DFR position or a, um, you know, just a SOC analyst role. They will try to put in port numbers, IP, you know, IP ranges. They'll they'll put in something related to their history normally. Uh, So knowing their background and trying to project questions, uh, looking at the company, you know, what do they do? If, they, if they're an MSSP, you know, they're probably going to ask some kind of, you know, cu- maybe even customer service based questions because you're going to be dealing with customers a lot. Uh, so just try to prepare, try to come up with a list of questions based off the job description, the company and the interviewer, and then go ahead and write those out. Uh, go ahead and answer all those questions. Have it written in front of you. Study, you know, you what have it. Don't get caught off guard. You know, know what you're going to talk about. Don't get caught off guard. Uh, try to drive the conversation. Re- you know, if they ask you a question uh, and you're unsure, you know, repeat it, think about it, uh, ask them clarifying questions and and to give yourself a little bit more time to think about it and then give your best answer. And, you know, if, if, if you just don't know, be honest, be honest with them. Uh, don't fumble around with it. Uh, be honest and, and try to clarify that, you know, you don't know that now, but you know, you're you're very driven you know, talk about how all the ways you talk about all the ways you uh stay in tune with the community and the industry and how you know it's going to be easy for you to pick up and learn those things that you don't know.
0: I, I love that. Um both driving the conversation and, and being honest as to where you, you have skills, where you're you you do not have skills or or even and this is a tip that um Jason mentions that whether if you don't know it, you say you don't know it. If you do know it or know some of it, say that you're familiar with it. And then if you're really a practitioner in it, say that, hey, I'm I'm confident in it and I can teach others how to do it. And that kind of shows that you have a, a different level of experience if you could teach someone else how to do those same skills. So Think about your skills in those three areas and and, and be able to articulate it in that way. Absolutely. So kind of approaching the end, one of the things that I love to do is pretend that this is five years later. You're you're looking back at yourself um, or five years earlier, you're talking to yourself. What, What advice would you give yourself?
1: Uh, don't try to wait until you've, you know, min maxed speaking in like gaming terms or opt. Try to, don't try to optimize your chances, uh, of getting a position before you apply to it. Uh, as soon as you find an interest in, in something you, you should start preparing for it, but also start applying because there are sometimes you can stumble upon chances, uh, that companies will give you, uh, especially if you, if you're networking properly, you know, so by, Delaying it, you're just delaying your progress and you're, you're just delaying uh, more learning that you could be doing on the job. So if you identify a passion, whether it be a specialty or just security transitioning from you know, IT or, or you know not IT, just go for it. Just, just start, you know, tune your resume, start networking, start learning, but also start applying.
0: I, I love that. I love that. Now, one one last question kind of a little surprise everything we talked about today if you had to summarize that into one piece of advice for someone trying to break into the field um or break into dfir what would that be
1: uh stay driven stay learn you know stay learning uh, and keep on top of things and you'll succeed
0: i love the stay driven let's, let's hashtag that one too i must start doing that um All the keywords people say, Um, (laughs) kind of hashtag them earlier. Um, Well, Bradley, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day, sharing your background, your insights, and all the tips that you gave. I mean, you you mentioned a whole lot about the different things that you use um, and sharing those those tips. For everyone on LinkedIn, Bradley's LinkedIn profile is below connect connect, follow with him, ask him questions. Uh, He's been very helpful. Uh, For those of you on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that notification button. That way we pop up the next time. And for everyone else, keep following us. Give us a 10 star rating on the podcast platforms. Good reviews. Share us with all your friends and families. That's how we can help bring more diverse folks into this industry and help solve those complex problems of tomorrow. Thank you, everyone, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you.